everyone to the Chance by Chance podcast. This is Chance Gilliam. Like It Was Yesterday is a service that's revolutionizing the nursing home experience. They provide a therapeutic and salutary change of scenery for those who lack the opportunity to leave often repetitive environments. The service allows users to revisit places dear to them using the most advanced virtual reality technology on the market. It's spearheaded by Enzo Vinholi, a college freshman at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Like It Was Yesterday visits nursing homes, primarily in Minnesota, and allows residents to travel to places around the world that mean the world to them. This includes visiting old houses, traveling to national parks and monuments, and exploring the streets they grew up on. They allow users to travel the world all from the comfort of their room. Using a combination of proprietary photogrammic capture and rendering process, paired with the use of 360-degree cameras, they capture and render real-world locations that can be explored in virtual reality. They primarily work with those who are suffering from memory loss. With the help of an individual's family, Like It Was Yesterday can create personal experiences composed of important memories and melodies to help aid those struggling to revisit memories of their past. Enzo is working with the University of St. Thomas to study the benefits of this service on general cognition and memory in adults over the age of 50, hoping to tailor this service to help those suffering from early-stage Alzheimer's and other forms of memory loss. All of this and more information is accessible at likeitwasyesterday.org. In this conversation, we discuss Enzo's moment of conversion to VR, research with the Stellar Lab at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota, and his decision behind that choice of school. We talk about utilizing resources, gratitude and appreciation, travel, perspective, human advancement, the ethics of a matrix scenario, nursing homes, aging, memory, and entrepreneurship. There's a link to likeitwasyesterday.org in the show notes, as well as to sources referenced during the episode, so check those out. The service is always looking for volunteers both to visit nursing homes and to capture real-world locations with those 360-degree cameras. If you'd like to learn about volunteering or contribute financially to the research being done, there are, again, links in the show notes. As for Chance by Chance, you can find resources like this one at chancebychance.com. There's a page on the site to sign up for my newsletter, which is the best means of staying in the loop and receiving material. I would highly recommend and greatly appreciate you doing so. The only other thing to note is that before recording, Enzo allowed me to experience a few locations in VR as seniors would in care facilities, audio and everything, and it was absolutely amazing. Now, Enzo Vinholi. Okay, so first question after seeing all of that. What was your first experience with VR? Or if that wasn't significant, what was your moment of conversion with VR when you entered a space and knew there was possibility to be explored? You know, what's interesting is, so I'm a big gamer, so I knew about the technology because it became big with gamers. Um, The gamers went wild about it because there's so much potential to take this thing we love and experience it in an even more in-depth way. But the technology was so expensive at the time, so I actually only got to try it for the first time in the real level of depth I wanted um, when I was able to use all of the labs at St. Thomas Um, because I was able to develop on it the platform and get an idea for what it would be like but it was only until I went there and they let me uh, use their VR lab which they have to develop the technology and to work on it that I really had that aha moment like wow this will really work. I always saw the potential and immediately I thought about bringing people because I felt so out of 
where I was, out of my space, that I just imagine, I, I did some volunteering in nursing homes, people who really can't get out of their space, and sometimes that space can become uncomfortable, being able to bring people all around the world or to space or wherever they want to go is just an amazing thing, and I'm glad I found like a way to use it. St. Thomas has a lab dedicated to VR technology? Yeah, St. Thomas is actually doing some great um, pioneering work in the VR space. We have this big lab called the Stellar Lab, where I've served as almost kind of an ambassador to my grade, um, informing people about it, telling about some of the tech, and promoting it. And we have a VR room that's just dedicated to VR. It has fans, mm. it has uh, all sorts of things. And uh, it's really cool that they let me use it because I was able to have a private space to test out movement and all these things that I couldn't originally do before I made my, my house and office in my room. So did that influence your choice of school? The choice of school was about something else. It was about their entrepreneurship program, which okay. I could get into, but uh, they have a great business program and I was fortunate enough to get a great scholarship. So, What was it about the program that attracted you? I just heard really good things, and actually a lot of the administration, I knew um, relatives of theirs, etc. Like mm -hmm. one of my good friends from high school, his mother's actually um, pretty prominent in the entire business program at St. Thomas, and so is her husband. And so um, just good references to them and from them, I was able to hear all the great things that St. Thomas was doing. So yeah, it kind of made me gravitate there. Someone wrote an article mm. at St. Thomas about you, uh, Brittany Stoch-Slavek. She wrote about your tapping St. Thomas resources and quotes you as saying that as soon as you started to learn about entrepreneurship, how to apply yourself correctly, and how to use the resources around you, your entire life changed and things took off. Yeah. What are a few quick things that flipped the switch on for you? Because that sounds like a huge transformation, learning how to use the resources around you in a way that your entire life changes. Yeah. Um, what, what clicked for you internally relating to entrepreneurship? I, I tell you this, Chance. Most of my school career, I did terribly. I failed classes. I was depressed. I hated school. I hate that feeling of going to school, knowing you didn't do your homework, knowing your teachers are disappointed in you. And I was so unhappy with life, so unmotivated. And actually, I took a trip to Spain my junior year, so fairly recently, um, and I saw this man. He was on, I'll never forget, he was laying on the street, and he was just wrapped in burn scars. He was missing limbs. And I looked at this guy, and I, I saw a permanent projection of my nightmare. It's like, this is everything. How can this man continue living? And I saw a sign in front of him, and the sign said, the fire did not take my happiness. And I thought... This man has nothing, or at least I saw it that way, and just the mindset I was in. This man had nothing, yet he was happy. And I thought, I go to this amazing school, I have parents that love me, I have friends that love me, I have all these resources, and I'm depressed, and I, I hate life. How, how can that be? Those things don't go together. So I really just, I started, it's all about gratitude and appreciation. I realized and was thankful for all these opportunities around me, even if it felt like someone was kind of cramming down my throat in high school, you know, like studying, doing all these things. And once I learned that these are tools to help us succeed, because after the parents go away, after the teachers go away, and if you're left unprepared, life will swallow you up. And I learned to use all the things around me and I kind of feed them into myself. And like I said, entrepreneurship is a way to 
do amazing things with my life while I'm still young, at any age. Do things pioneer, and whether it succeeds or failed, you did something that made a difference, and that's what I like to focus on. Yeah, focusing on gratitude. Was that a matter of mindfulness and just being aware of the good things that already existed in your life, or did you somehow structure gratitude into your life? For example, some people, at the end of the day, think of three things that they were grateful for that day. Mm. Um, Was it one or the other for you? I was in a completely different country, and I had this realization. And then coming back, it was almost like there was this huge checklist of things I had here that were missing there. I just became so thankful for things I never even thought about, like turning on the faucet, coming home and my parents are there, you know, the smells of the kitchen. It's like these little things are just amazing sources of happiness. And there's so many that only when really terrible things happen will I allow myself to feel sad because I find that I get disappointed, but never really, truly sad. It's really tempting, especially in the society we live in, to focus on those who are more successful than us Hmm. and see ourselves as lesser or as if we deserve it. Like, life screwed us. Why can't we be like those people? Why don't we have this amount of money? Why don't we have this fame? When in reality, it's more like a, a pyramid and we're close to the top just being here. And if you notice, there's a little space above us where the 1%, etc., the, the celebrities all live. But below us is the majority of all humans. They really got screwed by life. You're talking humans throughout time, right? Humans throughout time and humans right now. We mm-hmm. look at like a, a tremendous amount of the population lives in developing countries. A tremendous amount make significantly less money than we do here. But yet we're so focused on those above us. Once we realize that life has given us the opportunity to be where we are, then we can move towards the top while always being happy where we are. It's Mm. just people forget about all that's unfortunately beneath us. And it's not like we are any better. That's just where we were placed in life, unfortunately. But Yeah, the the genetic lottery. You know, you can't control where you're born, your circumstances, into what you're born. Okay, bear with me as I formulate this question. But you described a very small difference between me, you, and the 1%, right? Mm. And we view it as large, but looking at, you know, the scope of all humans now, or even through time, you know, there, there used to be people walking around naked through the, through the bush, like, yeah. foraging for food. We're living a lot better lives than that, arguably. Yeah. In a similar way, should technology continue to advance, you know, as long as we don't blow ourselves up or anything in the process, life will continue to get better, Do you think that someday people will look back on a generation like ours and understand that they have it a lot better? And if so, what do you think will be the advancements that make that possible? Mm. That's interesting because it's like several questions in one. I'll tell you this. Every day, we have more reason to be thankful. And just to kind of go back to that theme because think about it like modern medicine we're almost guaranteed to live significantly longer than most people and of course uh, the majority of people value life life is getting so much more comfortable every day i easily can if i wanted to sit at home for a day and be completely comfortable food technology etc etc right mm-hmm. and life is going more that way and it's interesting being someone who works so much with virtual reality is i think like in a hundred years from now are we all going to be plugged into these machines like the matrix like of course i have that those skeptical thoughts sometimes but i think society is 
changing at a very rapid pace faster. Like, we saw a similar thing with the Industrial Revolution, but even still, the last 10 years have been tremendous for all of humankind, and it's just getting quicker and quicker. Developments are happening every single day. Mm. And so, it's a tough question to answer. I can't predict the future. I think it's the hardest time to predict the future right now, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, as long as you uh, bring up the Matrix... I mean, I could not avoid asking this question. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? Considering the ethics of it, in the future, suppose that you could offer a service where users were in a system for 24 hours a day mm. with perfect immersion, perfect haptics, and they're being fed with an IV. Under any circumstances, would you share that service? That's interesting. There's an, everyone keeps telling me to watch Black Mirror because there's an episode that's apparently very similar to that. This is what I think, and people might disagree with me, but if I am 86 years old, my parents have passed, my children are grown up, and I've been kind of cast into this bubble. I'm 86, I'm physically limited, I might be under pain, etc. To be able to have some form of sedatement and to go into kind of a restart in life where I'm young and I'm traveling and doing all these things in a virtual world. I can take it off and talk to my kids, etc. Why not? Mm. You know, I, I found part of the reason I, I originally started this company is because I felt so sad to see people in nursing homes and assisted living, not because the nursing homes themselves were bad, but because people were just bored with life. You know, you have your same small routine and uh, of course... I think that as we get older, we appreciate simplicity and slowing down life a little bit, but it got to a point where it seemed very depressing. You know, people are so desperate for a good conversation. And I think if there's a way to truly help people escape from that, that's my goal. Like, that's, that's why I started this company. Um, before the research into Alzheimer's and low-level dementia and memory loss came into play, it was to help people escape. And the reason I, I kind of strayed away from that and went directly towards research in Alzheimer's is because I believe 25, 30 years from now, most people have access to better forms of this technology at a cheap price. That's actually the main reason why I did that change is because I have faith that this will be in the hands of elderly citizens and young people in nursing homes and it will be heavily implemented in society. So that's why I've kind of streamlined my research into seeing the medical applications behind this technology. Because mm. as a recreational and escapement therapy technology, I see applications to come in the future. I heard you volunteered at nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Why? And when did that start? Honestly, it's just a lot of school volunteering. And mm. I also, um, and an old family friend who unfortunately passed away, um, he used to live in a nursing home, and he would always tell us, like, sneak in some candy for me to eat and like <laughs> he always wanted to be a kid again I really appreciated that you know it really made me when I last time I saw him I was a kid and they really made me be happy to be a kid because you know we're all headed that way we're getting older every day and unfortunately like we can't keep at the quick pace of a child anymore even now and so like we gotta appreciate the time we got and I personally have a mission to make it so that Older people are no longer restricted physically by being old. And hopefully by the time we get there, 
we can have some form of escape, whether it be virtual or some machine that carry us or whatever it may be. Why is it important that you deliver this service specifically, not exclusively, mm-hmm. but specifically to people with memory impairment? Mm-hmm. That's also along the, the lines of study you're doing at University of St. Thomas, so yes. maybe you can talk about that research too. Sure. Uh, but, but how does memory figure into something like VR? Well, <laughs> growing old scares me. We've talked about that fear, but anyone who's done any research or had personal experience with Alzheimer's or dementia, there are a few things scarier than that. So at the end of the day, no matter how old and how physically restricted you are, you're you. But as soon as that gets stripped away and you're left with kind of just a body and a, a clean mind, it's, it's a very scary thing. It's a very scary disease. My, my grandmother used to live with us and she raised me and unfortunately she had a series of strokes and had to go back to Brazil. And this woman spent years of her life in this very house raising me, being like my mother. And she could just never, ever come back. Mm-hmm. And she would, she would ask, Enzo, Enzo, tell me about Grand Avenue. Send me photos. Describe the house. And I thought, you know, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way to show this. And I saw the developments in virtual reality. So I was able to create an experience so immersive that it really feels like you're there. You're really able to look around and notice things that photos just won't do justice. And I thought, imagine if you could bring people back to places of their past who are struggling to put those pieces together. Because you can see a, a photograph of one part of the house, but it will help you refresh there. But if you can look around every corner, every cranny, like... That's an amazing thing. And I immediately saw the application for Alzheimer's patients because there, there was actually some another, another field this is being utilized in is post-traumatic stress. They're able to recreate traumatic events in the military to help people cope by reliving it in a peaceful environment, a safe environment, so they can become one with the experience and move on. So I thought, if they're able to bring people back just by recreating... And at the time, it was so rudimentary. It was just like pixelated images that they would create and 3D models, etc. I thought the level of depth in these cameras, I can really make people go back and experience these things. So immediately, uh, I started diving deep into research. And um, now I have an actual team of statisticians and uh, whatnot. And I'm working alongside the University of St. Thomas to conduct real formulated research and be the pioneers of the connection between virtuality and memory. So it's, this research is proving that our service has benefits in general cognition and memory in adults over the age of 55, um, continuously developing new applications specifically tailored to those with memory loss. Because every new form of treatment that can make a difference is really important that we devote our time to it because, like I said, it's a really scary disease and it's something I'm very passionate about trying to find a way around it. And uh, one of the things I tell young entrepreneurs is, ideally, I could give a pill to someone and it would bring them back to where they, where they grew up and they'd remember all these things, right? Unfortunately, I don't have that. So I have to work as close as possible to get something like that. This is my way of getting there with the technology we have now. You know, Henry Ford, the man who produced the first automobile, said, if I had created what my customers wanted, I would have created a faster horse. (laughs) So the ability to think outside the box like that and create something as close as possible given what you have is really important. 
that's it's kind of like physics in a way like you know what your answer should be and you work as close as possible to get as close as possible so that's what I do <laughs> so how have you gotten as close as you've presently gotten I'm talking scholarships mm. sponsorships partnerships mm. supplies anything well you have to start with yourself you have to learn everything about the field you're going into you have to be an expert you have to try your best to understand as many concepts involved in this field as in-depthly as possible because it starts with you, right? And then I had to sit down one day, write a list, and really realize who are the people in my network and how could they realistically benefit this project and how could I get my final result as soon as possible. So everything around you, your school, your parents, your parents' friends, relatives, etc., those are all shortcuts. They all speed up the process. They're like boosts to help you get to where you want to go as fast and as efficient as possible. That's a great gamer analogy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say an XP boost, but I kept that up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people are eager to, eager to help, especially, like, the younger you are, the more eager they are, the more opportunities you have. Because mm. I think, honestly, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody, but I, I see too many people just continuously going down this concrete path preparing for the future waiting for this future thing to happen when in reality things are dire enough that we can make a real real impact on this earth and the people's lives just by dedicating a year as a young person to some project mm -hmm. and i think people don't really realize how much of an impact they can have at any age and that's what I try to promote. Yeah, yeah, I told you before we started recording, I mean, we talked along those same lines, but I had unconsciously, like, fallen into this fear of commitment because mm. I saw so many different opportunities, and I didn't want to give up any one, so I ended up giving up all of them. Like, you have to choose one, but it doesn't mean choosing one for all of time. It means choosing one at a time. And I like how you put it, you know, <laughs> things are dire enough, that you can make a huge change, but it takes that commitment, though, whether it's a year or two years, or even if it's, like, six months volunteering somewhere yeah. or getting something off the ground. You know a technique that I learned that changed my life forever, especially in school? So what you have to do is, when you're embarking on a, a new challenge, so I want to do great at school this year, what you do is you take two weeks, and you have to have a lot of mental preparation before this, but for those two weeks... You do that to the best possible ability you can. I'm talking cutting out like as much fun, dedicating and wanting to be the best. As if you were the best, mm. how would the best act? Mm. And for two weeks, you go hard. You, you, you try your very best. And then after those two weeks, if, if you accomplished a ton and you're super proud of it, that field is for you. You can accomplish that goal. You continue to work hard, and soon enough, you're the best at it. So that's something I really had to learn that, that changed my life. And after those two weeks, if you saw, like, this isn't really worth that commitment, then you move on. Now, it sounds easy. Two weeks is a very short amount of time relative to the year, but you have to, you have to commit. You have to make those two weeks. It's, it's like going cold turkey when you quit something. You have to commit, and you can't, you can't give up. And you don't have to continue at that pace, but you can see how much you can get done. And you can really realize how much potential we all have. You know, we're not all born with Elon Musk's brain, right? But 
just ourselves, no matter where we are on any scale, on every, any level of anything, we have the potential to really make a difference. Two things I'm going to pick out of that. Uh, one, <laughs> cutting out fun. And two, acting as the person you want to be. Like, how, yeah. how would that person act? Which I think is a great perspective. Yeah. What does it mean to you to actually get after something for two weeks? Because people could hear that and say, all right, I'm going to get after it, but really not change anything. Because we play those sorts of mental tricks on ourselves. But in terms of, like, cutting out fun or acting in the way... If you want to be a, an entrepreneur, you need to realize you are an entrepreneur. Now, how is an entrepreneur going to act? Like, how would you structure your time in those two weeks? Uh, or maybe a better way of putting it, if you could, like, teach a two-week class um, and take total control over someone's life to give them a crash course, like, eating, sleep schedule, everything. Like, what does, uh, what does that period look like? Like I said, I always have to ask myself, it's almost like... When you have someone you really respect and go, what would this person do in this scenario, right? Mm -hmm. You have to see, say it's working out, for example. Say you want to become a bodybuilder. You think, what is, like, all these great giants, what would they do in this scenario? You know, as strong as they are, they would be super disciplined about food. They would sleep at proper times to their body. They would focus on each particular muscle. They wouldn't slack, etc., and it's impossible to keep that up for months at a time because it drains your body. But if you can do it for two weeks and you see how much you got done, mm. that's a great motivation to continue, if that makes sense. Mm. Worst case, after two weeks, you know a, a bunch about this thing that you didn't know about before, and you continue your life. Because it really is such a small amount of time. It may not seem like it, it might seem like forever during those two weeks, but... I think one of the greatest skills an entrepreneur can have is looking at things always on a bigger scope, on a scale of time. You know, we're preparing for the future, but you have to see how your time can really, really apply in making your ultimate goal come as quick as possible. You know, you want, it, you want to be successful in life as quick as you can. So if you really utilize the opportunities around you to make that happen, it will happen quicker. It's, it's, I'm going to go back to a working out analogy. If I were to lift a weight every single day for two weeks and I like did it sloppily, in two weeks I would have a decent amount of muscle, right? But if I did it properly, trained properly, ate properly, took some time to sleep properly, etc., in those two weeks I'll be 40 to 50% more efficient than I would have. Hmm. And the sacrifices are small. They just seem big at the time because it's a change. That's why, like I said... After those two weeks, you really have to reflect and say, were these changes, were these sacrifices, watching a little less TV, etc., worth the extra, the extra gain I got? And I guarantee most of the time it is. We limit ourselves by comfort. And unfortunately, it's very easy to just continue with the paces of life. But you have to, you have to think about, what do I really want? Like, I, I know ideally my dream job would be this, etc., but... What do I really want to be doing in two years? How do I want to be comfortable? How do I, where do I want to be? And you have to work to try to get as close to that as possible. Be as efficient in getting there as possible. Because then it benefits you and everyone around you. Do you see yourself pursuing this venture long term? Uh, it's difficult to say. I yeah. mean, I'm studying to be, an, I'm, I'm, as of right now, I'm majoring in entrepreneurship at the University of St. Thomas with a double minor in economics and Spanish. And so I definitely see myself in the continuing entrepreneurship and going into the business world. I have a passion for business. This business and this concept, 
I've really made change in people's lives in a short amount of time, and I've made some huge developments, for example, in the future of virtual reality and the applications behind it. And I have a passion for it, and I'd love to continue this. But like I said, you never know what the future is. I'm 19, mm. right? I'm a freshman in college. <laughs> I, I might talk a big game, but I'm still young. Um, and, of course, other passions get in the way. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, have a, I have a huge passion for watches and luxury. And, you know, more and more I consider, do I just want to go do what I truly love or continue to devote myself like crazy to doing something that will really change the world? And so it's a constant struggle I have. And so we'll see what the future holds. Yeah. Um, I'm happy I've done what I've done so far, and I'm happy for what the next few years hold and stuff. Yeah. On your website, I saw that you're looking for contributions from uh, people. Yeah, I mean, so we have a, we have a donation campaign coming up um, in January, uh, and I really encourage anybody who's interested, anybody who sees this type of application in the future and people who believe in the same, same things me and my team do, uh, to donate on our website, likeitwasyesterday.org. 100% of the proceeds go to developing the cause and R&D research and um, continuing our services. And we're trying to expand into 10 new nursing homes, and that will bring an additional 300 clients. Like I said, if you believe in the cause, it's a cause that kind of sells itself. Everyone knows someone who could use this. And right on our website, you can reach out to us if you, have, you or a loved one could... Um, benefit from our service. We'll go to you. Uh, we'll run our service at no cost if you reach out right on our website. And uh, so I encourage everybody to sign up to volunteer if you're in the Twin Cities. We're always in need of volunteers. And uh, consider a donation if you're interested in the cause. And yeah. All right. Thanks, Enzo. Once again, there are links to mention resources and more in the show notes to the episode. Volunteer, donate, and learn more about Enzo's research at likeitwasyesterday.org. Find more podcasts, essays, and videos at chancebychance.com. While you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter. Direct any feedback to chance.gilliam at outlook.com. There will be another episode on VR next Tuesday. Until then, thank you for listening.